Like, Amazon doesn't envision the metaverse where you put on your Oculus goggles or whatever. It's an imagining a world in which, you know, your Amazon ring is attached to your Amazon doorbell, which can open your door, which is attached to your Amazon light bulb, which can turn on and off your lights, which is attached to your Amazon sink, which can turn on and off your watch, you know, in which all of these objects in your home and your life are controlled by Amazon. I'm Alina Utrada, and this is The Anti-Dystopians, the politics podcast about tech. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Anti-Dystopians. We've had a number of new supporters and subscribers of the show, which is amazing, and it really goes a long way towards helping make this podcast possible. As per usual, all of the articles or reports mentioned in this episode will be available in the show's show notes, so be sure to check them out. You can also get these, as well as accompanying links and information, by signing up for the Anti-Dystopians email newsletter, which is also in the links below. So let's get into the dystopia. So hi, everybody. We're here today with Rowena Squires, who is a self-proclaimed Luddite, as well as an ancient historian. And she's going to ask me everything you ever wanted to know about Amazon. So hi, Rowena. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Alina. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, Just wanted to clarify that I don't spend my Friday evenings uh, loom bashing. (laughs) (laughs) More a Luddite in the sense that I'm not very good with technology and I'm extremely suspicious of technology. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. So Alina, tell me what happened last week. Oh dear. Well, as you know, I do like to tweet about Amazon and all of the tech companies from time to time. And as podcast listeners will know, I am perhaps more active on Twitter than is necessarily uh, justified by my follower count. Um, (laughs) But last week as part of my research for my PhD, I downloaded... um, my Amazon data and posted about my horror. Uh, all of the Amazon had sent me a dossier of all of the data that they had on me. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting information in there, but one of the like creepiest things, at least from an external viewpoint, is that they send you all of the actual audio files of every time Amazon Alexa has recorded you. So I posted this on Twitter and it went slightly viral. She's being humble. It went viral. The followers have skyrocketed. It's nothing compared to like what happens when Taylor Swift tweets, but yes. <laughs> um, but it was a real eye-opener because I, for one, didn't realise that you... I think a lot of people said, well, you know, we kind of know that Alexa's slightly disturbing, perhaps recording, but the fact that you could access and this information is it's being stored it's not being deleted by the looks of it yeah I mean I think it's sort of it it was definitely creepy to see it in that format but it's not necessarily surprising I mean so I had the Amazon Alexa like years ago for about six months 
Um, but people who have Amazon Alexa were saying things like, uh, duh, of course this happens. Like you can see your recordings in the app. You're also able to change your privacy settings so that like Amazon doesn't record or retain this data. And it's not like it's not known, right? Like Amazon tells you that it's <laughs> recording every time you say the wake word. Um, and it, you know, is associating that data with your Amazon ID and it's, it's, um, you know, its employees are using that to improve the voice recognition technology. So, so it's not like it wasn't known, but I think there's something about downloading a dossier file of you <laughs> and it coming with like dot wave, like files that makes you realize like, oh God, like this isn't just me like accessing my own recordings. Like this corporation has all this information about me as well as like, right, we should say I posted it's the Amazon Alexa audio recordings that went viral. But, you know, there are tons and tons and tons of other spreadsheets in there, including like all of the uh, information about how I use Amazon Kindle, for instance. So it's really surveilled reading, like all of this data about like how often I read, how quickly I read, how many page turns per minute do I read? What do I read? Do I look up things when I read, right? So so they're surveilling, a, so it, you know, it's a huge amount of personal information that's available, not just these audio recordings. Well, let's just um, circle circle back a minute and just go, go towards the beginning again. <laughs> um, Amazon as a company, correct me if I'm wrong, it started, as a bookseller, yeah, uh, this is correct. Yes. So Amazon online bookstore as an online bookstore. How could you, just a historian in me coming out, provide just a brief synopsis, a brief history of how Amazon or the Bezos brand goes from an online bookseller to producing uh, Alexas that we have in our homes to launching rockets in space via? origin <laughs> ah yes the village villain origin story um <laughs> yes so jeff bezos and amazon have sort of a like mm, slightly different trajectory than a lot of the like traditional tech companies which you know are housed began and start in silicon valley um and, and are created by like usually computer scientists or engineers who then get into business um Jeff Bezos was an engineer in, uh, like, he, he majored in engineering at Princeton, but um, then was working in finance in New York at a company called D.E. Shaw, which was sort of like a nerdy um, financial institution, but still finance, right? Like, he wasn't co coding things in the way that many of these guys were. And he says, right, um, in Brad, Brad Stone's excellent book on the start of Amazon documents this, that, like, he saw the internet and how fast it was growing and, and just thought, this is it. Like, I want to be an entrepreneur. This is how I want to get in. And the internet is going to provide a ton of opportunity for growth. So he actually took out a loan from his parents. <laughs> and he told them something like, I forget how much it was, but he said something like, I just want you to know there's a 70% chance that you're not going to get this money back because I might fail and I want to still be able to come home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, the origin story of Amazon is him and his wife at the time, Mackenzie. Bezos filled up, like, their car and drove from um, uh, uh, New York to Seattle um, to start this online bookstop. And he, and he chose Seattle because of the low sales tax. Mm -hmm. So because it's an online, right, taxes, you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon famously do not enjoy paying taxes. 
So, uh, right, so they, they go to Washington and Jeff Bezos for a long time, Amazon insisted, right, that they shouldn't pay sales tax in other states because, right, they were headquartered in Washington state. Um, and eventually, right, states were like, no, this is ridiculous, you're too large, you must pay sales tax. So they do pay sales tax now. Um, so he started, right, basically, the, you know, this is like even before Google existed, and he got was like, you know what, I think books are going to be easy to ship. So Jeff Bezos um, was literally, <laughs> like, him and his wife and, like, the first handful of employees were literally, like, packaging them in their garage and <laughs> selling quite, them out. It's yeah. quite a romantic origin, I should Yeah, say. yeah, like, very much within, like, I think he was intentionally trying to play into that whole, like, tech company that gets started in the in the garage. Um, but from the beginning, right, like, I think it became clear that, like, this was, um, I mean, it was, a, it was an online store and shipping and the logistics of it was the biggest issue um and from that it's sort of like an interesting so like jeff bezos's fav favorite kind of metaphor is the flywheel where he'll say that like to get a flywheel going you just need to keep like throwing more stuff in and it'll go faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and so if you can add things to any point of this cycle you get the flywheel going faster and then you build this momentum um and you can kind of see that with the way, like, the bookstore expanded. I think from the beginning, Jeff Bezos had bigger plans than the online bookstore, even though he didn't necessarily always tell people this. But, like, he was always kind of angling for something big. In fact, the first, before he picked Amazon as, a, as the name for his company, he considered uh, the name Relentless. And actually, to this day, if you go to relentless.com, it redirects to Amazon. R relentless booksellers. Yeah, exactly. Because we all know readers are relentless. <laughs> relentless readers, it sounds like. Relentless readers, right. Yeah, Other people books. said, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Um, so, right, so, so, right, like, Jeff Bezos was never going to be a mere bookseller, right? Like, he had bigger, bigger plans. Um, and... And you can see from, like, so so Amazon began as an online store, essentially, right? From books, they expanded. And, um, right, Jeff Bezos quickly realized, like, almost from day one, which is another Jeffism, is Amazonians always say, it's always day one, right? So the idea, you know, you're always working. Um, that really, with the biggest thing with the online bookstore is logistics, so, like, very quickly, this, like, online store was, like, okay, we're going to need, like, warehouses. And, like, how do we sell and package and ship, like, this thing? It was it was, it was logistics in many ways. And so um, they, they started, like, kind of naturally the things that they needed was, like, to build logistics warehouses. And, like, every year, you know, in the beginning years of the company during Christmas and the Christmas rush – uh, you know, you would have whatever the guys in HQ who would have to go down to like whatever the early warehouses were and like help package things like it was such a rush um, to now. Right. When we have like Amazon has overtaken USPS, I think it's about to overtake UPS and FedEx is like one of the largest couriers in America. Um, they have like huge uh basically like logistics centers and packaging centers and Amazon warehouses like around the country. I mean, they, they are in many ways like a logistics company. Do other people, uh, other companies able to use their service or is it specifically just for Amazon? Well, so this is an interesting thing, right? So Amazon Marketplace, which is what I think most people um, 
think of as Amazon, right? First yeah. and foremost as an online store. Originally began as it was like an internal Amazon store. And, uh, you know, you would have deals with like, they had deals with like Toys R Us and Toys or Birkenstock. So like they could be authorized resellers or whatever. Um, but at some point in the, in the company's history, they decided to also integrate Amazon Marketplace. So Amazon has, and most people who use Amazon probably don't clue into it, but like have what they call third party sellers, or they sometimes refer to them as internal competitors. And these are merchants who use Amazon's platforms to sell their own goods. So, um, for instance, right, like if I go on and like search USB cord or, you know, utensils dish, um, there are dozens and dozens of merchants who may come up on the site that I can like then click and then like my Amazon purchase, quote unquote, is, is purchased from them. Um, and most of those sellers, in part because Amazon leans very heavily on sellers to use this, use what's called fulfilled by Amazon, in which Amazon will store and house and ship their wares. Now, there have been some implications that Amazon is a bit of, um, is a bit bullish, I would say, in terms of how it uses that control over other people's livelihoods, in terms of, you know, if... Uh, Amazon uh, can can see on you know its own analytics that um, you know your whatever tea holder is doing really well. Often, all of a sudden, Amazon Basics, which is Amazon's internal brand, um, internal like uh, brand of items. Uh, will suddenly come out with an identical tea holder and all of a sudden, oh no, your like products are like listed on page five and yeah. no one's buying them anymore. Oh and no. Amazon oh, Basics okay. is the first one to pop up. Whoa, that's so the... weird. And oh my God, wait a second. Like your shipping times are suddenly five days. That's so unreasonable. It's so weird how that happened, right? Mm. And this is, this is really documented in the House Judiciary Report on monopolies that Amazon's using um, its, its in the parlance, right? Like it's using its power as a platform for market dominance. Um, but at the same time, right, all of these other things come out of Amazon almost naturally in a sense. And Amazon realizes like, oh, we need this to expand. And so it adds it. So one of the things, one of the best quotes is by Franklin Fowler, who said, uh, if, uh, nationalist Marxists ever take over the U.S., they can nationalize Amazon and call it a day. (laughs) Right? Like, it's huge. It has, like, Amazon Air. It has an air freight. It has this, like, shipping industry. Amazon Cloud controls, like, a huge portion of, of um, like, the cloud computing marketplace. It runs its own brands. It creates hardware. I mean, it created Amazon Alexa. It's an AI company. It's a data analytics company. It actually has a huge uh, digital um, advertising um, arm that, like, kind of goes under the radar because they haven't. They, they're, they're very quiet about how much money they make through digital advertising. Um, it's a search company, right? Like Amazon runs its own search. So it has its search data. You know, it's, it's Google's biggest competitor and search is Amazon. Um, so it is, it is a huge company and it does so, so much. It goes beyond the marketplace and Prime video that... Yeah, a it's a, us- it produces videos, right? Like Amazon Music, Amazon Prime. It is a, you know... It is, it is so many things. I think, I don't, I can't remember if it's Lena Khan, but, but in the House Judiciary Report, it says, you know, Amazon has, does, does not control the market 
like a single market in the way that any of like kind of the gilded age monopolists did in terms of you thinking about like standard oil or something but they are so big in so many different markets and they can leverage their control of other markets for the other places that they compete in so if you think of like um something like like netflix for instance in which netflix uses aws which is like amazon's cloud computing arm right so like if you you know it's amazon data centers is all of the you know where all of netflix's videos are coming when you're streaming them online right so so netflix is a customer of amazon but it's also a competitor because amazon has amazon prime so one of the things that came up in the house judiciary report a year or two years ago is you know netflix was like look right so like Amazon Cloud can look at like our data analytics. Like they don't need to look at an encrypted file, but if they all of a sudden they say, whoa, like there's a huge amount of traffic requesting this one particular item, they can see like, oh wow, that like video is doing really well. Oh, Netflix is gonna do really well on this. We're gonna like compete with that. And they can use that, mm -hmm. right? So, or they can use, um, you know, the cloud computing company is a huge money maker for them, right? Like. It, it is an enormously profitable industry. They're, 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 a lot of it is contracting with governments as well, like the CIA. Um, Sorry, the CIA use AWS. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, I mean, the, they are probably one of the largest federal, local, and state government contractors because they're, they're an approved uh, cloud computing um, uh, partner because they're so big, they have a lot of like the security, they've gotten through a lot of the like, security checks. Mm. And your data that we mentioned at the start is being stored on the same cloud system, AWS. Presumably. I mean, so AWS started as, like, again, like many of these products started as something that Amazon needed. So Amazon was building internal, basically, um, computing servers. They were like, we need our own servers. We need to build server farms. And so, like, uh, back in the day, right, like Google... When Google was first starting, they built their own servers. And then AW and Amazon realized, like, wait a second, we need computing space. Like, we need all these servers. I bet a bunch of other companies need these servers. Mm. And they don't want to bother with, you know, literally there will be anecdotes of, like, the Google guys in the early days, like, literally coming in with fans and trying to, like, cool down these <laughs> server farms, like, desperately, right? Like, it's, it's tricky management, right? It's really, like... It's boring and it's and it's one of those things that's better done at scale, right? And then you have like security dilemmas, right? So so they were like, well, maybe, you know, much like companies used to build their own little electricity plants, what's going to happen is that we should just build huge electricity plants and people can just buy electricity from us. So it's kind of the same idea is that like Amazon builds these data storage centers and then like rents them out, rents out storage space. And there's different kind of like layers you can do from like, um, so like presumably Amazon, when, when I download my stuff from Amazon, Am Amazon is using its own servers to host its own content in this, but it's a little bit different than like how if, you know, Netflix has its own stuff, but it's being stored in a data center on AWS. So there's like two kind of intermediaries between me and AWS. But in terms of those audio recordings, this is what, from five years ago? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So 2017, yeah. 2017 it, th are they just planning to store these indefinitely? Is it for a limited time? It, it seems like 
there's just a and also a dot wave file is massive isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's why they don't i'm not 100 percent sure about how big the files are they are saved as dot wave but it doesn't when i listen to them you know i'm not a technologist i'm a political theorist who studies technology but when i listen to them it doesn't seem like they're the best quality but certainly like amazon has no problem with storage capacity they seem <laughs> to be spending quite a bit of money storing you know if you think for me, you know, I had it for six months. There's probably a couple hundred audio files. Other people have had these for years. Um, the original article, which was um, a Reuters article, which um, in which like a, a number of journalists download their dossier files. You know, they were using Amazon Alexa in their home. Um, these, you know, these would have, you know, for me, it's just like Amazon, turn up the volume, Amazon, Alexa, turn down the volume. They had recordings of their children. They had their children asking, um, Sometimes, like, very uh, in innocuous things, but a little, still a little creepy. So, like, one of the child, uh, the, one of the audio recordings is of a child being like, Alexa, how can I convince my, fi my parents to buy me a video game? And then, apparently, it had downloaded the answer from WikiHow. So then, Alexa responded with information given to it from, like, a web page um, that wasn't Amazon controlled that was like, you need to be able to, uh, like, come up with rebuttals to uh, common, um, you know, common problems. Your parents will say, like, it's too violent. Um, another, another of these journalists had said, you know, who's Muslim, the app had recorded him praying, right? So, so they're storing this data on you. They're also associating this audio data with, like, a, an, like a personal identifier, right? It's, like, under your account. So... Apple claims, although there's been, I think, some lawsuits and investigation into this, that when you record on Siri, um, it's you're given like a, a a random like kind of number to your account that that can't you know can't be identified, and then it just uses that voice data um, to train the uh, to train the AI that's recognizing um, your voice, but that's not associated with your account, and that it's deleted. Whereas Amazon has been criticized because it's like, unless you change the settings, really keeping this, or my understanding at least, is that they're keeping this data indefinitely and tied to your identity. It's not anonymous at all. Um, that's the, so many things you said there are such, <laughs> disturbing on so many levels, uh, especially with the children. The example you used about video game is, is rather trivial, but you can imagine if, children are asking Alexa for advice on perhaps more serious matters and Alexa's just reciting the first thing that it finds on the internet there's potential real potential implications there yeah and I think yeah it's just kind of a lack of control over what like your children are being exposed to or just like you in general are being exposed to I mean I think one of the really interesting this things this article is talking about was that like kids a number of the recordings were kids talking to Alexa after they had been disciplined, which is mm. also really interesting in terms of, like, kids going to, like, kind of anthropomorphizing this, like, AR, uh, like, voice, you know, Alexa as a, as a person and asking things like, you know, why is my mom and dad mad at me? You know, and you think, like, that is really, like, a part of emotional development, right, in children. Right. So that, that's one issue. The second is, like, right, you're recording children without their consent in, in many, you know, in, in a sense. Um, and, um, you know, also, right, they were also saying, you know, things like kids are asking, like, things, like, about sexuality, about, like, puberty, about their bodies, that, like, you don't really want an Amazon Alexa 
telling them, right? So so there so there's issues around that in terms of like what information is being stored and recorded, um, it, it, and you know how much control you want these devices in in your house. Yeah, it seems a real issue around consent here. You mentioned you can opt out, but there's no at no point do we seem to opt into this. It's just it, it comes with the package that Alexa will be storing or Amazon will be storing this data. Yeah, I think you probably have to click through some terms of services, but like obviously you like, you know, if I own an Amazon Alexa and I click like I consent to like which I presume I did, but like did not read it, right? Like most people yeah. with terms of services. Cuz like theoretically, right, when you make your Facebook account, you're agreeing to whatever terms of services by and and Facebook will change the terms of services and they're like, "Well, you, you know, agreed to it by um the fact that you continue to like use our service." Um, but right, like if my mom comes into my house and my Amazon Alexa records her, you know, she didn't necessarily, right. So there's, so there's issues around like yeah. what it picks up and, and consent. Um, it's also really interesting because like one of the, the other thing is right. Who owns your recordings, right? So like users of Amazon Alexa have access to this, um, to these audio files, right? So like I had the right to request this audio from Amazon, whereas, um, and, and I think under GPR and under like the California Privacy Act, right? I also have the right to request that they delete this data, which, you know, they can need to, you know, do within a certain period of time and they can keep it for certain like re legal reasons, right? There's loopholes, right? But I have the right to delete it. But then it's also interesting in terms of like, who can request this, information from Amazon and me. So um, one of the issues that comes up is around like warrants. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, you know, if I had a ring camera and I had an Alexa and the ring, you know, recorded something and Alexa has been recording me and there was a crime that was committed. So I think there was a really famous case in Florida where this happened, where um, a husband was a, a, a suspect of, of killing his wife, for instance right? Normally, right, police would serve, the state would serve a warrant to that individual to give over any, you know, to search their house or whatever for evidence. But since Amazon is holding a lot of this data, the police can serve a, serve a warrant to Amazon, the corporation, in order to release footage, right, audio recordings, videos, whatever. Um, so there's these really tricky, interesting things that are happening in terms of uh, uh, who, who owns this information? Like, should Amazon pass on this information? Right. So like cloud computing companies have like discussed this in terms of principles, like, should they cooperate with the state or should they say no? Like, should, you know, so, so there's all sorts of interesting things that are coming up around, um, privacy and ownership of data that companies collect on us. Okay. So I appreciate that you are a political theorist. <laughs> But what, how was Alexa created? How did Alexa come into, into being? Yeah, so it's interesting because um, Amazon began as an online marketplace and a logistics company, and then it went into hardware, which not a lot of companies can do. So like Facebook has tried to make some hardware things, but hasn't been super successful. But this is was really like out of Jeff Bezos' mind, and many people have said, that Alexa is because of his obsession with Star Wars, 
where there is, you know, in the TV show, sorry, not Star Wars, Star Trek. Oof, gosh, that would have been bad. Um, he's like obsessed with Star Trek. Like he literally named his dog Kamala. Um, and sent Kirk off into space. Yes, and sent Captain Kirk literally into space. Um, and so, like, for those of you who have seen the TV show, right, there's, uh, you, know, you know, it has that, that automated AI interface where you can just, like, talk to it and it does commands. So Jeff Bezos, apparently Alexa began with a scribble and he's like, I want, like, a cylindrical tube that you can just, like, talk to and it does, like, voice commands. And obviously, if you think about Amazon, like, the home tech, this is, like, imagining things like, Alexa purchase groceries from Amazon, right? <laughs> Alexa, like, play Amazon music, you know? So so it it's really integrated kind of into their idea of, of selling you things. Um, and so they had this really secretive uh, work that was going on. Um, and actually, I, I don't know if you remember the Amazon Fire Phone, but, like, before Alexa, Amazon tried to create a phone. The first, the first hardware they ever made was the Kindle. Um, you probably haven't heard of the phone. I haven't heard of the phone, so I imagine it was not a successful. Massive failure. It was like <laughs> humiliating, like terrible. It was like not fancy enough to justify like competing with the iPhone and Android, but like not cheap enough to like compete with like other like a cheaper brand of phone. <laughs> yeah, it's a Nokia phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just was, like, humiliating for Amazon. Um, a lot of the tech, one of the things that came out of it was, like, some of the original tech and engineers for the voice recognition, um, uh, and, and, you know, AI, basically, tech that then got transferred over to Alexa. So Jeff Bezos told the guy who worked on the Fire Phone, like, you can't for one minute lose any sleep over Fire Phone, because it led to Amazon Alexa in many ways. Um, and so <laughs> the Amazon, the, uh, one, one of the challenges, right, with like the voice recognition home thing is that you, uh, you have to train it, right? So you can, you, you need a ton of voice data, um, to, to be able to like train the AI to recognize it. And I think Google was also developing a home thing at this point, and they were getting their voice data from, like, I don't know, some, some other data stream that they collected. But Amazon didn't have any kind of, like, natural way to collect the voice, like, voice data that it needed to train it. So from the beginning, it became clear how creepy it was. They had, like, employees take it home and, like, try to use it. Like, one of the Amazon employees' wife called it the thing. And, like, they were very frustrated with it. Apparently, it recorded Jeff Bezos saying, shoot yourself in the head. And the, like, Amazon engineers were, like, reviewing the audio. And they heard him say that. And he, they were like, oh, God, this project is doomed. We're out of a job. Uh, but what they ended up doing was hiring temp agencies. And this was, like, a hot, like the, one of the most highly secretive projects at Amazon. So they hired these, like, temp agencies. And they would get these temp workers. And they would then, like, rent out condos or whatever. And then they would, like, fit these rooms out with, like, Xboxes, laptops, tablets. Like, you know, anything kind of innocuous. And then they hid the prototypes of Amazon Alexa around the room. And then they would have these people read scripts of just, like, play Justin Bieber's blah 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 like 
you know, like, just think, like, things that we would associate now with, like, Alexa commands, but they, like, didn't tell these people, like, what were going on, and apparently, like, multiple people were really creeped out by it, they're like, what is happening, why am I being recorded, the police showed up in some places, because they were, like, thought it was a drug deal, like, the Amazon employee got really nervous, and was like, oh, yeah. um, so from the beginning, Alexa was a little bit creepy, um, I mean, that was better than I could have hoped for. That is just so gloriously creepy. I just, for some reason, have an image of just a room with white walls, white floors. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was like homes, because they were trying to get the acoustics, which is even creepier in my mind. Like, it was empty homes. Like, Edward Cullen-esque homes. (laughs) Yeah, pristine. Yeah, you're like, does someone live here? And they're like, yes. Someone lives here. They're called Alexa. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. And it's named after the, you would like this as an ancient historian, the Library of Alexandria. I mean, like, I feel I feel insulted almost by that. <laughs> yeah, it seems somehow a really fitting name, considering uh, what happened with your, you know, so you, you're recorded, the data gets sent off, and then, as you did last week, you can request it and it comes back to you. The, as the Library of Alexandria <laughs> famously, famously, it would copy down original texts. And there's one really infamous example where they, they contacted the Athenians, the, the Ptolemy the Third, king at the time. And these Athenian ancient plays, these were in the Athenian archives. They didn't want any grubby old hands on them. But the king's like, no, come on, look, we'll pay you a huge sum of money and we'll copy it and we'll send them back. Won't be a scratch on it. The Athenians really reluctantly sent it across to the Library of Alexandria. To the Library of Alexandria, and they did as they said. They copied it up. It was a pristine copy, but they sent back the copies and kept the originals <laughs> with a note basically saying, "Keep the change," <laughs> which almost seems the same as happened with your voice recordings. It is Alina's voice that has been recorded by Alexa, and you've requested it and got back. A copy of the original. It does seem appropriate that the Library of Alexandria was the original library gangsters. The original, they were almost like book gangsters. <laughs> they would apparently, any ships coming into the port of Alexandria, they'd search to try and find books. If they found a book, they'd take it to the library, decide if they wanted to copy, keep, or just give it back. Relentless book gangsters. <laughs> Relentless book gangsters. But it is true, like I think... Um, it is really interesting. One of the uh, anecdotes that's often told to like demonstrate Jeff Bezos' personality or approach to business is um, that the Amazon called their um, ebook initiative Operation Gazelle, Gazelle. <laughs> because they were like, we need to approach the book cover book publishers like wounded gazelles who like don't know that like they they have not yet clocked on to the fact that the ebook industry may like destroy their industry <laughs> and people are always like that's uh, a little uh, disturbing but um the i think my favorite jeff bezos amazon uh jeff bezos anecdote and this comes from brad stone's book is that like in the early days of amazon um there was this employee so this is right when the company's transitioning kind of from you know a couple of dozen employees to like being like quite a significant company and uh 
this woman had been bringing her dog, her corgi dog, in, into work from the beginning when it was kind of more lax and she was kind of getting a little nervous because, you know, it's getting like a bigger company. It was more formal. No one had ever told her to keep the dog at home, but she's a bit nervous. So she's in the elevator and Jeff Bezos gets into the elevator with her and her dog's like in her purse. And she's like, oh God. And then he just goes, uh, oh, you're a good dog, Rufus. You're a good dog. And she's just like, oh, phew. Okay, it's fine. And he's like, you're a good dog, Rufus, aren't you? You're a good dog. And then he looks up at her and just goes, but you know, Rufus isn't bold. <laughs> <laughs> Rufus isn't bold. Rufus isn't bold. I'm, do you know what's up with dog, Rufus? It was a corgi. A corgi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's interesting, too, because, like, unlike many of the other tech companies that are down in Silicon Valley are, like, known for being quite opulent with their with their main headquarters right so like the like google cafeteria famously like served lobster for a number of years and like they give out a lot of perks there's like a lot of free stuff it's very comfortable they have high salaries like they're they're trying to attract you and same with like the facebook hq it's like disneyland for engineers in a many in a sense except no lines but you know jeff bezos has always kind of like set himself apart from these tech companies um, by, like, famously being just, like, so, so frugal. Like, he is, like, oh, you think you're gonna be cl- flying business class? Like, ha. Like, just flying to space instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, when he would take executives, he had a private jet, but every time he would take any Amazon executives on it, he would remind them, like, I'm paying for this, the company isn't paying for this. Like, Amazon still has, like, uh, they'll have desks that are made out of doors, right? Like, it's very, it's very, very frugal in, in a sense, mm-hmm. like, it, it, and it doesn't give out these lavish perks to their employees. And it's a, you know, like, Jeff Bezos is, like, a hard tasks master, too. Like, he has, like, really high um, expectations. He, like, can, seems to be quite harsh uh, based on some anecdotes from the Brad Stone book, right? Like, <laughs> just... People say that the scariest email they ever get is, like, when they get forwarded an email with bad press about Amazon from Jeff, and then it's just question mark. And they're oh. like, ah! <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, and, and and not as high up salaries as, um, you know, Google or Facebook are. And or a bit very, aggressive, yeah. Or, or very little salaries and rights if you're in the warehouse. Yeah, right, and then, right, again, unlike, you know, so this is, like, what I think Amazon thinks of as its core employees, right? Um, But, you know, Google, Google has Google employees and then Google contractors, right? Like, Facebook has Facebook employees and then the legions of underpaid content moderators Mm -hmm. who they don't really consider their employees. And Amazon, uh, this was true, like, two or three years ago, I'd have to check if it's if it's surpassed it now, but behind Walmart, Amazon is the number two employer in the United States. Like it is wow. huge amounts of people working for it, as you said, in the warehouses in which conditions are brutal. And Amazon, and there's been a number of features this year and last, you know, a number of years around, like just like how awful working conditions are in these factories. You know, it is, it is rule of algorithm. There is like, um, you know, Amazon's famously anti-union. They literally hired a company called the Pinkertons, which is... For they the, sound like the know. Peaky Blinders cousins. <laughs> a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, probably. The Pinkertons. The American 
cousins of Peaky Blinders, which was no, but like in the they were the original strike busters of like the Gilded Age. Like they were hiring the Pinkertons to like bust up these like mining strikes or whatever, you know, like the OG strike busters who have somehow still progressed to this day. Amazon's like, yeah, they sound good. You know, super anti-union, uh, horrible working conditions. They do pay more than, like, other companies. So Amazon will claim, like, oh, we pay, like, $25 an hour, but, like, you you are basically injured on the job so much that, like, turnover is really high. They literally have, like, dispensers of Tylenol on, in warehouses, right? Like, it's, it's very bad. Um, horrible working conditions. Same with the working conditions of... Um, they call them last mile drivers, where um, you know Amazon realized one of the ways they can compete is this one day or two day like prime delivery, and so they'll contract with. Um, they basically Amazon rely Amazon delivers a lot of its own packages. It has um, you know Amazon Air or you know or whatever, or it will hire. Um, it will, you know, it, it contracts with USPS or FedEx or UPS. In fact, I think, um, I think Amazon might be USPS's biggest customer. So they negotiate for low rates essentially, but then there's this, most of the deliveries get, um, bunched up in the last mile. So Amazon basically gobbles up all these like little mini local couriers and like forces as contractors and forces them to compete and gives them these like crazy, like deadlines and expectations to meet so like horrible safety standards there were a spate ProPublica did an investigation into like just there were so many um accidents that involved like amazon courier contractors um because of the crazy expectations amazon was giving in terms of delivery so yeah so like a lot of precarious exploited labor underpins the amazon empire so how much control does Amazon really have over all these different industries that they're operating in? Yeah, it's a really good question because Amazon kind of like many tech companies relies on what Maha Ahal, who was actually on a previous podcast, came and talked about called like the Janus faces of Silicon Valley. Well, they're kind of will say we're one thing in this mm-hmm. and then turn around and say, no, actually, we're another thing. So like third-party sellers on Amazon are external merchants, third-party sellers when they want to be, or internal competitors when it, like, helps Amazon, you know, get away from monopoly things, you know, monopoly concerns. Um, So, you know, one of the interesting things about Amazon, right, so Amazon Marketplace, right, Many people have been very critical of how much Amazon does in order to maintain the safety of their products and, like, how they do it. So, for instance, so it can be safety, it can be counterfeit um, issues in which, like, somebody will sell a product and it's unsafe and then they, like, report it to Amazon. And, but Amazon's allowing them to sell it or something. And so Amazon operates what uh, Wired Magazine called, like, a quasi-judicial system in which, like, literally this like weird judicial apparatus has come like kind of cropped up which is amazon's attempt to kind of control the marketplace and control standards on the marketplace in which right like if they find reports that like you know you're you know the phone you're selling explodes a lot of this came when um hoverboards were really um 
got really popular one Christmas. Yeah, and I remember that brief phase. Safety concerns, right? Yeah. yeah, so Amazon was like, oh, God, we should, like, look into safety. Um, but at the same time, right, like, this, this is, uh, can be used often in, in this, like, sprawling Amazon, like, judicial marketplace judicial process can be, like, used or co-opted by other people. So, like, um, it was, uh, it was The Verge, actually, that did a really long and good feature on, like, the judiciary of Amazon in which, like, right, like, um, there's a lot of dirty dealing. So if you have a competitor, like, the, one of the biggest tricks they'll do is, like, it's, you're not allowed to pay for reviews. So your competitor will pay for fake reviews for your stuff. And then they'll report you to Amazon for fake reviews, and then Amazon kicks you off. And then you try to do, like, your appeals process to Amazon, but, like, it's slow and bloated and bureaucratic. And, in fact, like, the Verge article documents that there's basically this, like, entire world of people who specialize in Amazon law. Like, literally have published thing called, like, a guide to, like, Amazon. And these are people, like, you pay. They're, like... They're like Amazon lawyers who are consultants essentially for sellers. Many people who rely, I think it's like 37%, you know, a, a huge chunk of these sellers rely on Amazon as their sole source of income, are literally running businesses in so which they employ it's people. It's absolutely detrimental if they get kicked off the site. Yeah. or And they can have their stuff seized. So like one seller who testified in front of the house committee said, you know, like, not only was my account suspended, but, like, all of my products were in the Amazon warehouse. And, like, Amazon didn't release my products back to me. So, like, not only can I not sell on the site, I, like, actually don't have access to my stuff. Um, Which is a whole other layer yeah. of, like, property law here. Like, moving away from the data stuff, the actual, like, physical assets. Yeah, actually, I think there was a quote by some guy who said something like, Amazon is a data company. It just so happens that they use that data to sell stuff. <laughs> um, but Amazon, I think it's underappreciated how much data Amazon has on us. So like something like Facebook has often been um, in the news for like, you know, the personal data that it stores. But Amazon often has like much more sensitive data on us. So it was Wired that did um, a piece that was on Amazon's data practices, basically showing that like, Amazon has just, like, a massive amount of data, and, like, many, com like, data companies is often, um, there's often questions around the security and uh, integrity of that data. So Wired Magazine had a really, really excellent feature on Amazon's data practices, uh, and it, there was anecdotes from people in there around, like, you know, Amazon customer service managers need to have access to your order history. It's obviously, like, sensitive personal information. And, um, you know, there is anecdotes of people who are like, yeah, like, we were looking up Kanye West's order history or oh, wow. ex-girlfriends or potential love interests order history and, and personal information. So, th so they, they have a huge, it's not just Amazon Alexa, they have a huge amount of data. I think people underestimate you know, Amazon stayed very still during the Cambridge Analytica scandal. <laughs> Has been like, oh, yes, you naughty Facebook, you. Um, and, oh, look at Google over there. They also track you. But Amazon has a ton, a ton of data on you as well. The other thing is, you know, Amazon Alexa pulls in a ton of data. So, like, one of the really surprising things that I wasn't expecting from my Amazon dossier is my the contacts list. So it's, like, list of every single one of my contacts 
and like their phone identifiers apparently and other people who've used amazon alexa and looked at this dossier say that they were like pulling in calendar invites like amazon alexa is not just recording a lot of data it's like pulling in a lot of other data from your devices and of course like there can so one of the big questions is like how often is amazon alexa recording you so amazon says um right alexa won't start recording until you say the wake word which is alexa um well the alexas have now woken up (laughs) everywhere (laughs) um and that that you know it it is identifying alexa the the way it's identifying the wake word locally on your device right so it's not recording every single thing you do but obviously it has to be listening to everything you do so that it can pick up the right. wake word right yeah. so it has the, the capacity to do that and it can glitch right so there's like this famous case you know famous cases people report all the time well one that was really creepy was that all of a sudden everywhere in the world amazon alexa started like randomly laughing um, that is so just creepy and disturbing. laughter. Yeah, which was, was just like... kids' laughter? I don't know. It was just like a glitch, right? Or like another guy's, uh, another, like a couple, they were having a conversation and then they realized that like Alexa had recorded the conversation and then sent a copy of the conversation to somebody in his contact list. And like Amazon was like, oh God, sorry. It must have been like a weird confluence of events where it thought you said the wake word and then it started identifying commands from like whatever you were saying in context um well i mean there was one uh one guy in in germany who was out of his flats and there between the hours of 1 a.m and 3 a.m alexa decided to have their own little rave (laughs) and it was blasting really loud music and the neighbors were knocking on the door but obviously no one was in so the police were called um, and the police broke in obviously no one was there there was just an alexa device good (laughs) good which but it shows doesn't it if if an alexa is going to turn itself on i've had this happen i mean i don't own an alexa but my um mother does and i've been in the house and at three in the morning suddenly the radio is on you know you think there's a burglar in your house but you go downstairs and it's alexa just turn itself on so if an alexa is capable of, of glitching and turning on then surely it's capable of as you've already said, like recording mm-hmm, information mm-hmm. that we definitely do not want recorded. We haven't said the wake words. Yeah, yeah. So there's like huge privacy concerns. And I think like a lot of the concern, like when corporations collect data about you and send it over to the state, right? So it's like people often get very concerned when the state or the government is collecting information about them. But a lot of people say like, whatever, who cares if Amazon has my stuff? Like who cares if Amazon's recording me? What are they going to do with it? But I think that's, you know, there are so many concerns with a private corporation having your data, not least of which is like, you know, Amazon employees looking up your order history or, you know, an ex or potential love interest looking up like your order history or privacy around like how much, you know, now with Amazon Ring, which we're going to have another episode talking about um, with somebody who studies is an expert in Amazon Ring. Um you know, it's literally recording every single time you go in and out of your house. I mean, I think Amazon really, you know, I think the metaverse, there's a lot of hype about like this virtual reality world, which I think is just, you know, hot air. Yeah, (laughs) it's just like entertainment, right? I think the metaverse is going to be video games, which is cool, but whatever. 
Whereas, like, Amazon is very much thinking of augmented reality and about the Internet of Things. So, like, Amazon doesn't envision the metaverse where you put on your Oculus goggles or whatever. It's an imagining a world in which, you know, your Amazon ring is attached to your Amazon doorbell, which can open your door, which is attached to your Amazon light bulb, which can turn on and off your lights, which is attached to your Amazon sink, which can turn on and off your water, you know, in which all of these objects in your home and your life are controlled by Amazon. And Cory Doctorow has an amazing short story about Monopoly, where he, you know, he envisions a sort of dystopian Monopoly world where, like, your toaster will only toast certain brands of bread. <laughs> like, this is not authorized bread. <laughs> like, you know, so there's lots of ways in which, you know, corporations having data, so much, like, sensitive data about your life matters. And, like, for me, right, like, you know, I think, oh, okay, I'm going to tweet about Amazon. But the Amazon customer service team, which is, you know, just customer service on Twitter, started tweeting at replies to my post, like, um, what do they say? Like, we encourage you not to share personal information on, uh, you know, social media. If you want to delete this tweet, you can. It's like <laughs> Amazon help Twitter going through and replying. If you want to delete this tweet, you can. And, like, in one sense, that's, like, humorous. But, like, in another sense, I'm like, I'm actually am a little bit nervous about like the power Amazon has over me in terms of like they're like oh well this girl is like tweeting like let's look up her order history and the data we have on her and like oh no you know so there's there's actual power corporations have over you not just the state and you and you just alluded to it but imagine you know if said corporation were controlling your water yeah as well precisely and not only are we talking about access to um to see and hear inside your home but to actually control basic commodities as well it's really really is dystopian yeah and like joshua fairfield's book owned which is on like digital property um talks about like with um smart cars where like you know if you there's already cars or like either either smart cars where like the engine is clicked up to the internet or where you can like install a device where you, if you miss a payment on your car it's not that like the police like come to your door and knock on it and repossess it it just whoop, sends a little signal turns off your car and pe and there are people who have said like i've had my car turn off in the middle of the freeway because i've so missed dangerous. a payment right yeah. so like there's so many ways of course of control which is why i just feel like, people have misinterpreted George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> <laughs> the best meme I've ever seen was a photo of George Orwell and just the, the statement that I wrote it as a warning, not as a manual. <laughs> I think the thing that George, the only thing George Orwell failed to predict was that people would line up outside of the surveillance tech stores and pay ridiculous <laughs> sums of money for the surveillance tech like, to have the latest surveillance tech yeah. he would just be like you know what you're right I was not despondent enough about how people would pay for this I mean and this is the thing we are paying for it at least at least the Tolmies paid the Athenians for stealing their data <laughs> yeah. that if it was Jeff Bezos running the library of Alexandria he would charge a copying fee yeah. he'd be like not only have I stolen your plays but like you actually owe me money for the storage of the plays and don't forget the post postage packaging <laughs>
like I like I want to know what happened to Rufus like what is it is his, his villain origin story like did he go home that night like not bull he became a gangster that night <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna join the FTC <laughs> yeah. tell Bezos how bold I am <laughs>